My name is Candace. This is my podcast, Why Intimate Partner Emotional Abuse Matters. Is it really a thing? First episode, episode one, The Subtle Destroyer. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm sure a vast majority of you recall hearing repeating this mantra. As a young child, I turned to this mantra when other kids said or did things to me that were hurtful. I used to believe words did not hold such a substantial amount of weight in the ability to be so mentally destructive until I personally experienced intimate partner emotional abuse. This issue is more common than the population may realize, and the experiences and effects left on victims are long-lasting. The experiences and effects left on victims, such as I, such as maybe your mother, your sister, your best friend, someone you pass in the hallway at work. It could be them too. I've read a few articles and I want to provide you with some substantial research that I've concluded First being, um, what is psychological abuse? This is an article titled um, by the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. For short, the acronym NCADV is used in reference. They discuss some eye-opening statistics. Did you know 48.4% of women and 48% of men have experienced at least one psychological aggressive behavior by an intimate partner. Male or female, this happens to us both. Four in ten women and four in ten men have experienced at least one form of coercive control by an intimate partner in their lifetime. 17.9% of women have experienced a situation where intimate partner tried to keep them from seeing family and friends. 18.7% of women have experienced threats of physical harm by an intimate partner. 95% of men who physically abuse their intimate partners also psychologically abuse them. Women who earn 65% or more of their household income are likely to be psychologically abused than women who earn less than 65% of their household's income. I was surprised by the numbers for men. Was this surprising for you as well? I could see how hearing these statistics, it may be easy for some of you to bat your eyes and say those are some unselling statistics, then continue on about your day. For me, hearing these statistics are more than unsettling. They slow down the gulp in my swallow. They onset flashbacks of being called stupid and being reminded how I was not good enough. I recall looks of disgust when all I sought after was attention and affection from the one I deeply cared for. I felt the agonizing heartache and rush of numbness from feeling so alone and worthless.
to discuss more about emotional abuse. Typically, this is classified as behavior and or speech that is derogatory, controlling, punishing, and manipulative. Emotional abuse is subtle, making the signs of recognition more of a challenge. The intent of this podcast is to raise awareness of emotional abuse to educate, prevent, and manage this behavior in relationships. I, Candace, will be hosting this podcast. I will share factual and personal information to hopefully shed light that emotional abuse is, in fact, really a thing. Let's discuss some information from the article, Being Emotionally Abused, a a phenomenological study of adult women's experience of emotionally abusive intimate partner relationships. From the authors, Josie Queen and Margaret H. Brackley. The purpose of their study was to uncover and reveal 15 women's perceptions, what the abuse meant to them, and how they defined their lived experiences through the abuse. The authors found seven common themes that presented throughout the study. These seven things include captivity, defining moments, dissociation from self, fixing, mindful manipulation, relentless terror, and taking a stand. Let us discuss this in further detail. Captivity is when the woman is unable to leave her situation. No, this is not a reference to having her body physically held back but it is in regards to a mental and emotional belief that she has been convinced that she would experience to not be able to leave a lack of transportation and or the abuser will not leave. My captivating experience was due to not feeling like I deserved better or that anyone else would want me. I stayed for three years, enduring pain day in and day out because I felt stuck. I felt like where I was at was as good as it was. Defining moments is the point where she or he realizes they're abused. I remember one day at the gym when I approached my abuser out on the gym floor after I had gotten some water at the front. He looked at me with annoyance and anger. I was confused. I asked what was wrong as he childishly told me to go talk to the gals up at the front smiling at My feelings of confusion grew because the only person I had even smiled at was someone I just responded back to with a hey. I had a few defining moments because I tried to deny them and make excuses for my abuser. In this particular moment, I realized his behavior was ridiculous and it was disrespectful to be shamed for a simple act of kindness or respect. Disassociation from self involves feeling like you are someone else or feeling a change from the abuse. It took me some time before I realized I did not know who the person staring back in the mirror at me was. I could not recall the things I actually enjoyed doing because I always set out to make my abuser happy. Fixing is when a woman or man tries to adapt to the situation she is in. I try to avoid fights upsetting him, and try to please him by saying what I thought he wanted to hear. 
I walked on the eggshells. Taking a stand is when abused man or woman takes steps to fight back in the abuse or leave the abusive relationship. I tried leaving a few times before I finally left and had enough. My abuser would come back telling me he missed me and promised to change. That change never came. Mindful manipulation. This is the woman's or men's impression of non-physical tactics and behaviors initiated by the abuser to establish and manipulate the reality of the abused woman. My abuser did this constantly, consistently, in a variety of ways. One thing he would do often to manipulate and change me was the way I dressed or acted. He would make comments on what he liked and would say it how, oh, it, it looks good on you. Maybe you should try this. Oh, it's really attractive when someone does this or that. In the same regards, he would also accompany this usually with a negative comment to something I had. The abuser's behaviors and tactics created and recreated the reality of women who were living an emotionally abused life and how they influenced a woman's definition, understanding, and survival of her own emotionally abusive experience and environment. I relate because... His behaviors and the way he went about things molded my reality and my perceptions. Moving on to relentless terror. It's the woman's feeling of constant fear that the abuser will harm her, an inanimate object or a pet. Another article I would like to talk about is a woman's experiences living abusive relationships. A shelter-based qualitative study by, forgive me for pronouncing these wrong, if I if I do, um, Masay Metz, Baholo, Nicola Christofides, and Wright, Yandisa, and Noabisa. They discuss the complex factors of leaving an, an intimate partner. These studies data um, collected was conducted from 11 women from a shelter in Providence, South Africa. The authors found that women who experienced intimate partner abuse had an increase in adverse sexual health problems, which may include sexually transmitted diseases. The intimate partner violence is the second highest disease causing issue in South Africa, and South Africa has the highest rate of femicide. Femicide is the killing of one by an intimate partner or ex-partner, which is happening at an estimation of one woman every eight hours. One more time, guys. This is happening at an estimated of one woman every eight hours. It is precarious to reduce the mortality and morbidity by recognizing this abuse by then intervening. Abused women are more often than not seen going through two stages to adapt, which is acknowledging that they are in an abusive relationship and finally recognizing their need to be freed from it. 
The system of breaking free from an abusive relationship entails two core processes, a phase of change preceded by the process of leaving the abusive relationship. Effective responses are more likely if the complexities of the process of leaving is approached sensitively. The next article I researched was the effects of traumatic and abusive relationships by Tricia L. Orzek and Mirok Jacqueline Chen. They presented a study with a goal to understand what was embodied as a traumatic relationship experience for adults in intimate relationships. The authors composed what was most salient with the effects, losses, and coping strategies. This abuse can have chronic and destructive consequences. There are financial and personal costs that carry burden, mental and emotional results tending to lead to low self-esteem, shame, guilt, self-blame, denial, and anger or rage towards the perpetrator. There is isolation and social withdrawal, helplessness, and a loss of spiritual faith found to be a result as well. It may be observed that emotions often influence the mental health issues and or use of maladaptive coping techniques. The victims develop a loss in faith in the world. An abused victim does not see trust as an option, and this battle to trust another being carries on for a while, if it is ever really gained. Empowerment has seemed to be effective, giving the victim a chance to learn from the experience, grow as a person, and become stronger as an individual. In the article um, of post-traumatic syndrome, a treatment model that I researched by Amy Rokic and Deborah Vanderbort, they outline a fairly new discussed diagnosis, PTRS, which is similar to um, PTSD, a post-traumatic stress disorder. But PTRS, post-traumatic relationship syndrome, contains four differences in treatment. One difference is understanding normalization and desensitization, which tunes in on the initial traumatizing state. Second is reflection and acceptance, which focuses on processing the trauma. Third, integration of the trauma into self-concept. Fourth and lastly is empowerment and growth. The treatment plan for this syndrome strives to relay that the traumatic relationships can be survived despite the overwhelming roller coaster ride. Post-traumatic growth can occur. In conclusion, intimate partner emotional abuse is real. There are women and men who are currently under the impression they are stuck. I, I recall feeling stuck. The feeling of the lack of desire to move forward, to go on, to see that I had other options to be in a better place, to find real happiness, even though I knew, ideally, I should know there was better. There are women and men fighting to leave their abuser. There are women and men struggling with the post-traumatic effects their perpetrator instilled in them. There are women and men, there are family and friends, there's me, and there's possibly the person right across from you who is suffering or has suffered from this abuse. Intervention is necessary in educating others in the health sector to recognize the signs. Support systems and empowerment is crucial for victims to feel safe and to turn to when they decide to leave. Change starts with you.